Ghana and Bianca. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I hope that tonight is not, you know, you guys know that, you know, if you do the work, you work hard enough, dreams come true. You know that, we all know that. But hopefully what you get from tonight is the understanding that um, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. Um, that is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And if you guys, if you guys can understand that, then what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Um, something greater will. That was Kobe uh, during his retirement speech. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Um, so this is going to be a two-hour show. The first, the first hour, I'm going to talk all about Kobe Bryant and what he means to me. The, the second hour will be all of the current headlines in sports. Um, and it'll be more of a typical Maddie G show, a, a, a typical off the dome podcast in the second hour. Um, but in this first hour, um, it's going to be a more somber, um, start to the show because I want to talk about what Kobe Bryant means to me, um, growing up and in general. Um, first off, before I, um, share my thoughts about Kobe, um, I'm going to um, just acknowledge the other lives that were lost. Um, Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, uh, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, Ara Zabayan, Gianna Bryant, and Kobe Bryant. Um, so, okay, here we go. Since I was a little kid, um, I, I've wanted to find like something that I wanted to love and wanted to like watch every day. I mean, something that I could divert my attention from, whether it's school or whatever the case is, or family or whatever it is. Um, and that was basketball. And the one person that I would watch, I mean, LeBron was obviously my favorite player, but the person that got me started into watching the NBA. And to follow up closely about more about the Laker organization was Kobe. Um, what I saw from Kobe Bryant was just the way that every game I would see him in he would go full strength and he would do whatever it would take to win. I would, and you know, the, what I saw throughout his whole career is there was nobody that worked harder than Kobe Bryant did. Nobody. Absolutely nobody would. Um, his, he could play, if he could have like a broken foot, right, and couldn't walk, and he would play on the other one easily. He's the kind of guy that's played through back injuries, through finger injuries, through any shoulder injuries, through any kind of injuries. Like we all saw when he tore his Achilles, when he tore his Achilles against the Warriors back in 2013. I saw that game. 
and he still got up and he still shot two free throws. This guy would would go full strength, would do whatever it took to win at any cost. Um, and, and his highlights, his intensity, and the fact that there's so many memories I have, like when he scored 81 points against the Raptors that night, the second most, uh, by far the second most points in NBA history. I was saying, wow, this guy would do everything. Or that game against the Suns where it was a jump ball, and when he and when he shot that ball, and how he he ripped his jersey and he and he showed his um, undershirt and screaming at the crowd after Game Four. Or the most amazing moment um, was the first game I actually saw him with the Lakers play was against the the, the Hornets when he went up against Chris Paul and. He had that amazing um, windmill dunk and to make an MVP statement. The Lakers won that game. Or in the most amazing moment, I, I, I remember, though, out of all my years watching him, was uh, Game 7 against the Celtics, the arch rival. Um, how he was really brutal, the fact that they lost to the Celtics by 39 points in Game 6 of the 08 Finals. I mean, it was great beating the Magic, but but the Lakers and Kobe really wanted the Celtics. And in Game 7, what I remember it was, he didn't have a great shooting night. He was bad all game, but he made the clutch shots when needed, and he grabbed 15 rebounds. And after that, he stood up on the podium. His wings spread out, and, in, and he won his fifth championship. Beating the beating their beating their arch rival Celtics, um, and getting to Kobe in general, um, this still doesn't feel real. His death, what he means to me personally, like since that like that day was probably the worst, the most emotionally uh, drained days of my life. There was because he taught me so much. As far as I never met him, obviously, but it felt like I knew him, you know, um, because there he would dedicate himself so meticulously to his craft and his message. What I took away from it was he didn't want just anybody, any basketball players to be great. He gave others in whatever professions they're in, in whatever they're most passionate about. The sandbox and the ability to succeed, whether it's uh, music, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's art, whether it's, in this case, broadcasting, whether it's anything possible. He would, he would install the mob mentality to go above and beyond your limits. That's what Kobe Bryant was, was about. Um, throughout my life, um, I just wanted... I was never, like, the best athlete, you know. I was never, like, the most, say, popular kid in high school. But what Kobe did in my, when, when things were, like, somewhat down was he gave me the ability and the strength to whatever I was the most passionate about to be better at it. Like, whenever I was studying in the library back in school, whether it was trying to prepare every single one of my my podcast shows, whether it was back in high school when I tried to be the best tennis player, 
he gave me the his his mentality and his lessons gave us the gave me the ability to go be above and beyond and it was about and he and it was it was about the work that was Kobe's mindset he relished the opportunity to work. He relished the opportunity to be the best basketball player he could be. I mean, obviously, his legacy is going to be based off of beyond a basketball player, obviously. But I feel like it's more than that what his legacy is. I mean, just from the fact that he... When I remember an interview once when he was when he was um, selling his stock, I, I think it was... He said, when a person asked him, what do you want to be remembered by? I want to be remembered as a stockbroker, or I don't know what the term for that was. Um, and he wanted to be the best, uh, he wanted to be the best person he could possibly could be in whatever he wanted to do. Like, um, and when he won that Oscar that night, I was saying, wow, he won an Oscar? The Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film? Like, this guy is more than just basketball. Like, that's incredible. What an Oscar. That's crazy. And the thing that's so sad was Kobe was was so, was starting to be better in his second act than he was in his first act. That's amazing. Now, um... It's just sad. Like, I remember that day where he died when I was just at home. And I was, at the time, I was preparing the application for to go to Birthright to Israel. Um, um, I was waiting for a call um, at the time when there was very little talks of the pandemic. And... You know, my mom and I were preparing for the for the application, and so I was like, "Okay, I'll just go downstairs. I'll just watch TV and whatever." So, I was in the middle of watching a movie, and then you know, I, typically during when I watch a movie, I typically pause to check out social media of what's happening, and then I see a tweet from that says of a TMZ reported a helicopter crash that Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, no, th- this can't be real. Kobe Bryant? No. And then I saw another cryptic tweet. Uh, so what I thought was a cryptic tweet by uh, Nick Wright when he said, Kobe was just starting to be better in his second act, and for this to happen is awful. I was thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe it was just, well, okay, the Nick Wright, just to clarify, the Nick Wright tweet was before the the TMZ helicopter tweet. The Nick Wright tweet before um, was just saying, okay, um, I, I was just saying in my head, okay, this is just, maybe this is just, he is sad that I wish he was playing too. Okay. And then when I saw the helicopter tweet after that, I was saying, okay, this can't be real. And then I looked on, and then no really websites acknowledged the news. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it was just like, um, like a fake n- news story or whatever, but no, multiple reports came of Kobe's death and it was confirmed. And, and then after that, I, I went upstairs 
and um, I started crying. Um, it, it was this. It was sad because, again, I've never met Kobe, but I felt like I knew him. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, it hasn't really hit me yet at that time. And after I went to go get my hair cut, um, I didn't even talk during the haircut. I was just so depressed. And then after the haircut, I went home and. I started crying. Um, and then I learned later that day that obviously G- Gigi, his daughter, died. And all these other lives that were lost on that helicopter. It was just terrible. It's... I'm sorry. Um, you know, what Kobe meant to me was... He wanted me to be better than than I actually was. Um, whether I was really nothing. And he gave me the ability and the strength to be better than what I was. Um, and that day, I, I didn't. I had to wake up for my internship at the time, and I didn't want to. That was the, and I didn't want to go to work that day. Because it was just so depressing. Um, And then the saddest part came, like, on that Friday when the Lakers faced the Blazers at Staples Center. And that game, that didn't really feel like a basketball game. That felt more like a funeral. It felt like a funeral. And it was just so depressing. And you saw the number eight jerseys that the fans were wearing and the, the tribute and... I don't know, and yeah, it was terrible. Um, and the thing that that I, I really uh, loved was the fact that I knew that Kobe was big, but I didn't think he was this big. Like, he transcended not just Los Angeles, but the whole world. Like, he was global. Like, he would, there was like, uh, there was, uh, like in the Philippines, with him and his daughter, uh, with his with his daughter in his arms, and um, and 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 that was and that was amazing. And you saw like uh, t- um, other athletes. You saw in the in the NFL when they had their cleats of the mama mentality. You saw golfers wear Kobe jerseys. You saw tennis players wear Kobe jerseys. I mean, and you saw at the at the Oscars when Spike Lee wore the eight and twenty four. Kobe transcended, not and worldwide. That was just icon status, like in China, like in Japan, like it was Kobe. He transcended everything. He was that guy, and. You know, it was amazing. He what he was able to do, um, throughout, and inspire so many people. And you know, he gave people the passion to want to be great. That's what his motto was. That's what it was all about. And what I love so much about 
like what he did was he tried to be more than a basketball player. I mean, you see what LeBron's slogan where it's more than an athlete. I mean, Le- Kobe was more than an athlete. He tried to be better than what he was on the basketball court. Tried to be the best father. Tried to be the best um, storyteller. He tried to be uh, the best uh, stockbroker. Tried to be the best basketball coach. And the saddest part in all this, as sad as it is with obviously Kobe's da- death, was his daughter. He w- she was going to be the, the next big thing. She wanted to carry on Kobe's legacy for the Mamba Men Academy. She wanted to be the next great thing. And and the fact was, is that Kobe was helping out and, and advocating for WNBA and how Gigi was gonna was amazing. And how the saddest part, the saddest part, the saddest pictures that make me sad. Was um the 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 saddest pictures I saw was was him and his and his daughter. Um, one of them was at just at courtside together, like showing at, like being so happy together, him and Gigi, being so happy together, and um, just on the sidelines. And one of them was at the UConn game when Kobe and Gigi were wearing UConn shirts and at the game together, and the other one was um, was at one of the Laker, one of the um, two Laker games that Kobe attended uh, last year uh, against the Hawks where LeBron went, uh, courtside, like during a timeout, he went to dap up Kobe, and that was great. And uh, another great game I saw was when Kobe's was repping the WNBA hoodie, and um, and uh, went to, and then um, and then said hi to LeBron and AD and Kuzma, and and then he said, and then during uh, an exchange, uh, he talks uh, trash in Slovenian to Luka Doncic, and <laughs> Luka dapped Kobe up, and he was wondering, who's talking like that? <laughs> and that was Kobe. Um, I, I mean, this is a lesson. What Kobe taught us in general, in my opinion, was... It's all about being better than what you are, what you are, and within what your limitations are. I mean, you could either just, in whatever job your profession is, do the bare minimum, you know, show up, clock in and out, typical late hours, or do you want to be the first one there? Do you want to work harder? Do you want to, and do do you want to push yourself when you don't feel like doing? anything anyway that's actually what the dream is that's what the actual destination is and that's what it's all about with Kobe um and you know people thought when I was a kid um when I wore his jersey uh people thought 
people used to make fun of me at, at, at camp that you didn't shower. You would just love Kobe. You would just wear him in Lakers shirts. I mean, yeah, he was... He was something special to me. He really was. Um, I mean, just the way that that he would do the most unbelievable things on the court. It was a joy to watch. Um, only Kobe can drop 81 points. Only Kobe could score 62 points through three quarters against the Mavs. Um, only Kobe could hit... Clutch shot after clutch shot during a game against the Raptors, and when he had the game-winning dunk, only Kobe can guard the could can want to be one of the players to guard the best players on a nightly basis. Only Kobe um, could just in and out just be the best part, just be the better than what he was. Um. And it's just sad. It it really is very sad. But and I feel horrible for Vanessa and his other daughters. Um and she's handled this so well. Like the MVP her dad was. Um it, I feel horrible still. It's I mean, we're never us and her are never gonna fully get over it, but Instead of like just mourning constantly in Kobe's pain, we should just use what he did as great a celebration of what he did and honor the lessons he taught us to want to be better than what we actually are. That's what I think that we should do moving forward. Um, another sad part, um, I'm going to wrap this up and then I'll... Get into a lighter, positive note um, after this segment um, was the celebration of life um, uh, last year um, when when um, when Vanessa spoke about Gigi and Kobe and the saddest part was when he, when she said Gigi uh, Kobe. Um, she, she was like, Kobe, take care of our daughter um, up there in heaven. Um, I got I got our other daughters down here. We're still the best team. Like that, she handled that with such grace, such humility, and such strength during that that celebration of life. Um, and then after that, um, MJ set, said. Uh, when Kobe Bryant died, a piece of me died. Um, and that was heartbreaking. And then Shaq, after that, went on and said a funny story of um, when Kobe said, when a uh, practice, when Kobe said, there's no I in team. Uh, when, when Shaq said, Kobe, there's no I in team. And Kobe's like, yeah, but there's an Emmy in that mother. F- <laughs> uh, that, that's typical Kobe right there. Um yeah, it, it it was just just the he touched so many people and like off the court and and on the court too. Um you see so many people in the media have their typical Kobe story. Um and yeah, 
There's nobody else like Kobe Bryant. The competitor, the basketball player, um, the storyteller, the father. and There was nobody else like Kobe. So my biggest takeaway from doing this nearly 30 minutes um, tribute to Kobe is we should all strive to be greater than what we, our limits present ourselves to be. We should try to, to do better, to want to dream bigger, to want to um, study harder, to want to uh, work harder, whether to uh, do podcasts better. Or that's what Kobe installed in us. It's the bottom line and the biggest takeaway that I have is that it's about the work. It's about the work and it's about being better than what you are. And with that, um, I'll take a break. Um, This is the Off the Dome podcast. Um. Thank you so much for listening to that. Um, I'll regroup here and I'll get back in the second episode and the second part of this episode. Thank you. This is Off the Dome with Matt G, the second hour. Thanks for listening to the first hour. Sorry for getting over-emotional about about um, Kobe. I just, it's a very passionate subject. Um, but we're going to move on to a, to a lighter note and uh, plow through this episode. Um, and uh, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about a lighter subjects. So we talked about one great. Now we're going to talk about the GOAT. So last night, LeBron had 46 points against his hometown Cavaliers. Um, and it was an honestly, in what, probably one of the best performances LeBron's ever had um, in a regular season. Um, and th- this is my thoughts. It, it was an amazing game. It was, it was great. Um, it was an amazing performance. And that just shows you why he still is the best player in the world. Whenever what I what I picked up on from last night was that there was a fan that was heckling him, and um, and that was actually one of the the front the person that was heckling um that was heckling LeBron was a front office person from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and um, I forgot who his name was, but the person that heckled LeBron was actually I think some somebody named. Hillman, but whoever it was, I heard, I read a report that it was Dan Gilbert's right hand man, and he's the brokerage guy who who, the, who does negotiation deals for the team's uh, biggest signings. Uh, heckled LeBron after LeBron missed a shot in the third quarter. You know what LeBron did? He took that personally. Had twenty one the fourth quarter. Some of his games, the performance, the past couple performances he's had. The last four quarters, when everyone's giving me crap about LeBron's fourth quarter numbers, 
Um, against the, the Bucks, he had 12 points. Um, and against uh, and against the um, the Cavs, he had 21 points. And this was the the one time. And I agree with some uh, haters or some objective pl- uh, people on LeBron, where you know I wish he would do this every game. Well, if you know what LeBron's game is, um, he his game is ba- is mainly about getting others involved. And I think the reason why he wasn't able to score um, as much or let alone score thir- score 30-plus um, up until the game at Milwaukee or in, or the 46-point game against the Cavs was, I think, because of the fact that, one, he was working himself into shape after the shortest offseason ever. He's, he was playing only a career-low 32-and-a-half minutes. Um, he ha- also has another superstar on his team in Anthony Davis. And was so focused on getting him going. That's probably another reason. And with a new cast, he was trying to fit them into their roles. Um, And also, I I think, and that's what he was trying to do. But I think the game, the two games that he, I think he circled was the game at Milwaukee against the guy that won the, the regular season MVP over him, Giannis. I think he circled that. And want to take that personally by having 34, 8, and 6. And and then against Cleveland, where's my hometown team? Okay, I'm gonna show I'm I'm gonna show you all um who I still am and why I'm still the best player on the planet. Um AD did that against the Bulls, his hometown team, where he had 34, um, had a great showing. And then LeBron, it was LeBron's night. I knew he would play well, but I didn't expect this. The first quarter, I mean, he was amazing. He had like 12 points in the first quarter, um, 12 or 15 points in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, I mean, in the third quarter, he was still good, but he was mainly just a distributor. He was just getting other guys involved. That's what my takeaway was. He was getting other guys involved during the second and the third quarter. Um. <coughs> And in the fourth quarter, he after uh, the after that idiot front office person heckled LeBron, he said, "Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show out, and I'm gonna do my thing, and I'm and I'm gonna draw, and I'm gonna go off of my former team." Had 21 in the fourth quarter, um, and when AD was struggling, he's been off to a slow start this year. I said, "You know what? I'm gonna take over this game," and he did, and. This is going to sound biased. This is not a hot take. This is not me put me being the biggest LeBron, um, you know what, rider out there. This is not going to be anything like that. This is not an egregious take. This is just honestly how I feel, okay? You can roast me for saying this, but I don't care. LeBron is the MVP frontrunner again this year. Here's why he's the MVP frontrunner this year. The guy has is the is the leading scorer and the leading assist the assist man on uh, with the best team on the, he's the best player in the world on the best team in the world that has the best record in the world. That's what it comes down to. LeBron's averaging a career low like I said 32 and a half minutes and even though his assist numbers are down, he's still averaging 25 8 and 8 um and shooting a career high three-point percentage. 
Um, he's shooting a career-high 41% from three. Um, the main reason why he's not having as many assists like he did last year was because Dennis Schroeder's the point guard, and that means LeBron's played more off the ball. But he's still averaging around eight assists. And you know what's happened? His three-point numbers have gone up. He's shooting 41% from three. That's amazing. And the fact is now they're 14-4, and four, and LeBron still is doing this. And he's still guarding the best players um, on the opposing. He's still the best perimeter defender guarding the the best opposing players. Um, LeBron, this, when LeBron is guarded, the best perimeter to, uh, players on the other opposing teams, LeBron leads the league in the lowest field goal percentage um, guarding another opponent defensively, and it's just amazing night in and night out what he is doing. And on, with a career low in minutes, um, the, and even though he's got off to a little bit of a slow start, um, he still is just doing 25-8-8, eight eight, number one seed in the West in the NBA. Um, and he's in a career low minutes, forty career high in three point percentage, and with AD struggling, a new a new roster, a, a lot of new players on the staff. And they're on the on the roster, and they're fourteen and four. I mean, if that's not league MVP status, I don't know what is. People say I'm just a stats guy. No, I'm not. I'm talking about with an eye test and from a statistical standpoint. LeBron is the best, still the best player in the world. And you know, Kevin Durant, as great as he is, he has two other all stars, two other superstars around him. LeBron has one, and. As much as I love AD, he's gone off to a slow start. And LeBron's picked him up. LeBron's picked this whole Lakers team up. And they're the best record in the NBA. So, if you really want to look at it from that perspective, yes, he is the MVP. And he's still in a career low minutes. And in a time where this year where, I'm going to be honest, I was one of those people, and LeBron even said this, I actually believe that he was going to play less games to start the year. That I actually thought that he would pick and choose when to sit and when to not sit out games. Okay, I actually thought he would do that. Um, I actually thought that against bad teams he would not play. Um, I actually thought that he would cherry pick and not be his usual self, and I thought he'd be a little bit out of shape. I I I somewhat expect I somewhat was expecting that, but I was wrong. I didn't expect him to still put up 25-8-8 eight and eight on a nightly basis and still, like, scoring 30-plus, still scored a 30-plus game and still having 40-plus and still doing this year 18, which no one else expected but me. I knew he would still be great. I didn't think he'd be, he'd be great in the regular season. I thought he'd be mainly great and save this for the playoffs. But my God, he's been amazing. And all the ignorant haters out there that I'm going to call out on this show said, oh, well, if the Lakers win games, it's because of AD, it's because of a supporting cast. Um, and, LeBron, and LeBron didn't do anything, even though he played great. But if, Le, but if the Lakers lose and LeBron plays great, people are going to blame it all on LeBron. So which one is it? So stop moving the goalposts and just appreciate greatness. And you see that block he had on Colin Sexton? You saw that block? He was a uh, Sexton float that floated that ball up. LeBron blocked it. Okay? 
That was all LeBron. He's still the one. He's still a great defender. He's still the best passer in basketball. He's still the best driver in basketball. Not only that, he's still the best player in basketball. And if the Lakers could keep this up and keep and, and the fact is, also the Lakers are the first team ever, I think, to start off ten and zero um, on the road. That says a lot. And the fact is, they're the best, by far the best record in the league, the best road record in the league, and Le- LeBron's still doing this on a nightly basis in a career-low minutes. Yes, he is the MVP. You could like it, you could hate it. I don't care. Just accept the fact that LeBron's still the best player in the world in year 18. That's all I have to say on that. Okay, now I'm going to move on, um, and I'm going to to talk about... The cheat, uh, Brady versus Mahomes. Getting to another subject here. So there's been a lot. So there have been some debates. Um, before I get into the matchup, there's been a va- a question out there: Is Tom Brady the greatest athlete ever? Okay. Um, first, there's a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, as far as greatest athlete ever, as far as athleticism ever, uh, he's not even close in that discussion. I mean, as great as Tom is, he's definitely not the most athletic player in the league. He's not even close. I mean, if you saw his combine, how he ran and how he looked, no, he, he's not the best. I mean, yeah, he's, 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 he's in shape and he still can throw the ball deep down the field. But is he the mo- but is he the best athlete as far as that goes? No. And as far as the best athlete at his own position, I mean, look, he's by far the most accomplished athlete in in all in the NFL. I will say that by far the most accomplished. But as far as the best goes, mechanically speaking, I mean, he's never been known as the the best quarterback in the league um, up until maybe his later years. I mean, if you look at it, other than his 07 year that he's had, uh, where he threw, where at the time he set the um, passing touchdowns record um, for most touchdowns in a regular season, passed by Peyton Manning, who had 55 in 2013. Um, before, up until that point, he was still a very good quarterback, but he was mainly just a game manager. Um up until his first MVP re- league MVP season, um, Tom was great. Was very good. And if you want to look at the Super Bowls he's won, the first Super Bowl was all Belichick. They were fourteen point underdog against the against the Rams. The second one, I will give you against the Panthers. Brady was in a shootout with Jake Delome, and and Brady prevailed. I'll give Tom Brady that one. Uh, the third one, Brady. Uh, there's. Brady was really good. Um, he was great in the, in the third Super Bowl against the Eagles. And after that, he had two uh, rough losses to the Giants. But I get. But after that, it's been mainly collaborative. I mean, the defense and the offense were great against the Legion of Boom. Um, the, the, the defense got the Patriots back in it against the Falcons, but Brady did capitalize on it. And, um, and the defense... He did struggle most of that game against the Rams. Uh, Belichick's defense kept hanging in there, and then Brady eventually uh, cracked the code and was able to lead to another game-winning drive against the Rams. 
So, I mean, look, Brady is by far the most accomplished. I mean, he is the greatest ever as far as accomplishments goes. I do think he's the GOAT in general. But as far as best quarterback in the league, I mean, he was never like the best quarterback in the league, I would say. I mean, I mean, he – okay, 07 and 2010 where he had a 5,000 passing yard season. I'll give him that. But in general, when you look at the best quarterback, he's never been known as that title. Um, and right now, it's the best quarterback in the league's Patrick Mahomes. And before that, it was obviously Aaron Rodgers. And the, during that time, it was Peyton Manning. He's the greatest quarterback in the postseason ever. I'm, going, I'm not going to debate that. By far the greatest quarterback ever in the postseason. And he's by far the most accomplished. Um, as far as the greatest athlete in all of sports... I mean, look, I mean, as great as Tom Brady is, and I do think he's the GOAT, as much as people think I slander him and roast him, I do think he's the GOAT. The difference between Brady dislikers and LeBron dislikers is I at least acknowledge Brady's greatness. No LeBron haters ever acknowledge LeBron's greatness. That's the difference. Okay, now getting back on topic here. Um... I don't think he's – I'll say this. Um, as great as he is, you only dominate one side of the ball in, in football. You don't play – unlike basketball, you don't play obviously the full um, 48 minutes or the full 60 minutes in this case in the NFL. I mean you play for like one series. You, you play for series. Like, it's offense turn, and then the defense turn. Tom, Tom, Tom doesn't play any defense. LeBron plays the entire full 48 minutes, or at least tries to play most of the 48 minutes. Tom Brady sits out. He doesn't play defense for he – he never played defense to the Patriots, or in this case, the Bucks. And I think that as far as the basketball goes, it's obviously a more of a contact sport because LeBron is going to the rim and is going to face contact all the time. And he is definitely playing the whole full game. Brady's only playing like a series and then just comes out. And then, co- and then when the defense is, uh, is over, he comes back in. So basketball is a more complete sport, I would say. And as far as that goes... Um, in that sport, the most accomplished basketball player ever, just accomplished-wise, is Bill Russell. But is he known as the GOAT? No, he's not known as the GOAT. Um, and as far as people want to say, as far as accomplishments, Jordan's not the GOAT. It's either, either Kareem or Russell. LeBron is the best all-around player in his position and he in the league of, of ever and is the best all-around player ever. Statistically speaking and in general, that's what makes him the GOAT. Um, as far as that goes, I actually think the greatest athlete ever as far as athleticism, I think maybe you can make a case maybe Bo Jackson is probably the greatest based off athleticism athlete or Deion Sanders, maybe the greatest athletes ever because they were two-sport athletes. I think maybe if Brady would have played in the, his MLB when he was with the Expos, because I know he got drafted by the Expos, then maybe... I, he would have been in that. Um, but as far as the greatest athlete ever goes, I mean, look, Jordan's by far, when you think of six rings, right, 
you don't think of Tom Brady. Maybe it's because of the fact that he struggled against the Rams or the fact that he was not he didn't win all um, Super Bowl MVPs when he won those championships. Maybe it's that aspect. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that football's not really a total is only a complete sport. Offense, defense, and special teams. Basketball's just you know, one is nothing nothing uh, complicated, just a full game of 48-minute hoops. Um, I guess maybe that's the case. And you think of six rings, you think of Jordan, maybe because he was 6-0 in the finals. I, I don't, and maybe won six finals MVPs. I don't know. As far as to call Tom Brady the greatest athlete ever, no, he's not that. I would say the greatest athlete ever as far as, I would say, based off of, A, the impact off the court, and B, the impact to impact the game of basketball goes, non-championship-wise, but in totality, I would say LeBron's the greatest athlete ever. I would say he is. Tom Brady's not even, the, the he's the most accomplished and the greatest quarterback ever, but as far as the best quarterback throughout the regular season or known as the title of the best quarterback in the league, like right now, or in general, he's rarely been talked about as the best quarterback in the league. When Manning was still playing, Peyton Manning was known as the greatest quarterback in the league. My favorite quarterback back then. Um, when when um, Aaron Rodgers has played, Aaron Rodgers is known as the best quarterback in the league. And in this case, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And that's one advantage I would give Mahomes going into the Super Bowl matchup with Tom Brady. Brady never really had that full-on title as the best QB in the league other than the 07 year. Mahomes already has that title as the best quarterback in the league. So that's really what it comes down to. And that's why I would say LeBron in general is the greatest athlete ever. Um, Just to be honest there with that regard. So speaking of Aaron Rodgers... um, uh, let me just talk about let's talk about his situation. So I read on the Pat Mc, uh, so I um, read a transcript from Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show, and what he said was, "I there's um, let me pull up this quote right here. Um, this is what Aaron Rodgers said of 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 um, when he said that the future is uncertain on the Pat McAfee show. He said, quote." It's allowed me to silence all the uh, D-bags who are talking for me and making themselves more relevant by using my name or running stories that weren't fact. This was a natural, authentic way to have a conversation. Um, That's what he said. And uh, let me just see what else he um, saw. What else he said uh, during the Pat McAfee show was, um, quote, I don't feel like I said anything I hadn't said before on Sunday. I said it I said it the first time I talked to the media. It was more a realization. I think that ultimately my future is not necessarily in my control and I think that just hit me in the moment. I was thinking about Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, other guys we have under contract, uh Mercedes Lewis, guys who I don't know what their future is going to hold is going to be and myself included. And he also said, quote, I don't think there's any reason why I wouldn't be back. But look, there's not many absolutes, as you guys know in this business. So to make an absolute statement about something that is not absolute, I didn't do it. And that's why it went kind of nuts. 
Okay, so in my honest opinion, I don't think he's going to leave Green Bay. He's already owed thirty. He's already owed thirty-five million next year, and he's under contract through twenty twenty-three. I I highly doubt he's going to leave. But at the same time, though, I don't I'm just non-biased. I talked to my my friend before the show, who's a Green Bay Packers fan. And me just being all object objective and taking my Bears fandom close imaginary off for a second here, I don't like how this management treated is done a disservice to Aaron Rodgers. And here's why. Um, you drafted um, Jordan Love because you thought that Aaron Rodgers was on the back end of his career and you thought he's seen better days in his career. Um, it was either a mess... It was either a message of put up or shut up with Aaron Rodgers. And what happened? A-Rod probably had the best season of his entire career. I mean, 48 touchdowns to five interceptions. I mean, you can't move on from that. Um, A-Rod had an amazing season. Um, And I don't like the fact that they drafted Jordan Love just in spite Aaron Rodgers and did not give him any sort of help. Like when he could have had some help on his defense, when maybe his front seven, he could have, they could have done better uh, getting free agents on the front seven. They could have done better job like revamping their secondary, or they maybe could have gotten another playmaker for Aaron Rodgers. But no, they drafted Jordan Love. Um, and and I, how many snaps did Jordan Love play? Zero. And. And when it was a, a blowout or if when A-Rod went out of the game, he was not – Jordan Love didn't play. Tim Boyle played. And I don't know what it is with the management Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it's a fact of how they're trying to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers' butt. I don't know what the case is. But I just feel that – that if I were Packers management, I would try to get Aaron Rodgers the best help possible. Um, because, yes, Aaron Jones is going to want a lot of money. He's probably going to be gone. And and I don't know what's going to happen. I think Aaron Rodgers, during that press conference, I think he said was either you do make a change or, or I'm gone. And he's... He it's a cat and mouse game between him and management. There were some reports of Aaron Rodgers being a diva, and there were some other ex Green Bay Packer players that said he had a horrible attitude in the locker room. Um, and and there were some reports about that. And I think that A Rod was just trying to like play like cat and mouse game of just like of just doing what he wanted and wanting more money, and then. I read a report also that when Matt LaFleur got hired, Aaron Rodgers uh, was not contacted about it. And um, and that was a message knowing that you – listen, Aaron, you better act appropriately. Um, and that's what A-Rod did and he had to adjust his attitude towards the media. And then after that, um, you know, they drafted Jordan Love. And then that pissed Aaron Rodgers off. So this really is like a personal thing between the management and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I personally am mostly, well, I could understand both sides because the management clearly is not as, as very disappointed the fact that 
A-Rod is 1-4 now in NFC Championship games, and that one win he had came against the Bears, in which he was pretty bad in that game, and where he barely beat and held on to beat Caleb Haney. And then after that, he lost against Seattle. He lost badly against the Falcons. He lost badly at San Francisco. And he didn't deliver when they asked him to against the uh, Bucks. And then even his playoff wins weren't that impressive. I mean, he barely, he barely beat the Cowboys with a Des Caudic game. He lost to Eli and the Giants. Um, he lost to Kaepernick twice. He barely beat the, the Cowboys again with a Mason Crosby field goal. And he beat the Giants in which Odell went to Miami for a boat game. And he beat Joe Webb, who was a receiver playing quarterback for the Vikings. Okay, so when I really look at it, I mean, he hasn't really had great playoff success. And neither have the Packers. So I think the management is just thinking that, okay, we're, a, we're running out of time with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. But I don't like the fact that they could have done better with more help for Aaron Rodgers at the same time um, by not making any moves in, during the free agency during last offseason. So I can understand both sides of things. But in general, I would say I'm leaning to more towards Aaron Rodgers' side because I don't like the fact that, that, um, that they haven't gotten A-Rod the necessary help yet. But I don't know. Is Maybe there's some reports that the diva thing with Aaron Rodgers is not true, but that's just what I'm reading off of. Um, I, I do think, though, that they do that Air, that they better do something for A-Rod or he's going to want to trade way before 2023, before his contract's up. Okay, now let's get back to Brady versus Mahomes. So here was – so apparently I read a report – that Patrick, that the Chiefs are giving bulletin board material to Tom Brady uh, when Patrick Mahomes said, um, we're going against one of, if not the best quarterback ever. <laughs> and um, and uh, another quote by Frank Clark was, we're not scared of Tom Brady. Um, this is what Mahomes said, and I quote, uh, to go up against one of the greatest, if not if not the greatest quarterback of all time, is in his 150th Super Bowl, it's going to be a great experience. Okay, so my takeaway from that was that, first of all, I, I, um, I, I just think that the Chiefs are not going to like bow down to Tom. They're not going to give in to Tom's greatness here. They're just trying to okay honor to like honor him honor him, but not really kiss up to Tom in that sort of way because you saw what uh, the Rams did like against the against Tom Brady and Belichick in the Super Bowl um, when it was mainly Bel it was mainly just the whole mystique of the Patriots in general. Where Sean McVay, before the game, went up to Bill Belichick and was saying, I'm such a big fan of yours and I respect what you've done and we'll be in touch and giving him a handshake and all that. And McVay was more of like a fan that game than he was a coach. And I think the Chiefs know by the fact that the, the opponents that faced against Tom Brady, you can't give in to his aura, his mystique. You're going to have to like honor, respect him, but go out and prove him wrong. Uh, that's basically what my takeaway from it was. 
I mean, the Chiefs know how great Tom is, and Andy Reid knows how good Tom is because Andy Reid coached against Brady during the uh, during the Super Bowl when they faced the Eagles, when the Patriots faced the Eagles the first time, obviously. So look, I, I don't think that the that the Chiefs are giving in to the of to Tom Brady's uh, res, to Tom Brady's um, res, um, greatness. They're acknowledging it. But they're not going to go over the moon about Tom Brady. That's just what my takeaway of that was. Um, and also, I will say this about um, about the Mahomes versus Brady. I think if Mahomes wins this, think about Mahomes' career. He's arguably had probably the greatest start of an NFL career as I could think of. I mean, you sit out one year to, to look to learn under Alex Smith and the Andy Reid system. And then you come in and then you you throw 50 touchdowns and um and uh what was it? 5000 passing yards in one season. And then after that, you follow that up with a Super Bowl win um against the Niners who last year were a great defense. And and then after that, uh this year, you follow that up with a with 38 touchdowns. And and then you win, yeah. And then you you're in the Super Bowl again. I mean, this is the greatest st- um, start to an NFL career ever. I mean, Brady was winning early on, but like I said earlier, Brady was more of a game manager. He was never known as the best quarterback in in uh, in the league. Mahomes already is known as the best quarterback in the league. And I think if Mahomes were to win another Super Bowl, if he would win and if he could retire the day after that, I think he'd still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's only a, a select full, a select handful of quarterbacks that have won multiple Super Bowl titles. It's Elway, whether it's Peyton, and whether it's Brady. I mean, it's very rare that you're going to find that he's in very rare company in that regard. So, look, I mean, he does, he's already going to be known. Look, I, do I think he'll be the second greatest ever up until, up until if he wins that? I mean, I don't think he I, – I think I have to see him. I think it's still Peyton in my – I think it's still maybe Montana. Oh, I forgot him. Montana to win multiple Super Bowl titles. He's the second greatest ever. So I would say Brady, then Peyton. Sorry, Brady, Montana, then Peyton. I don't know because still, Manning, in my opinion, is arguably the greatest regular season quarterback ever. By far, he's the best regular season quarterback ever. I mean, he's known as the best quarterback in the league um, even when he was with the Broncos. His, His second, his first two years he was. Um. So, I think if Mahomes were to win this one, I think I'd put him ahead of Elway. And I would and I think he would need one more to pass Peyton um in my opinion. But if he keeps racking up MVP awards and if he keeps get and if he keeps um making uh keeps setting records in the regular season in general, I would put him above Peyton Manning and I would put him in my top 3. 
But if he wins another one, oh yeah, he's going to be known as a top five quarterback in my opinion. I really do think so. Um, I would put him. I would put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers, and I would put him ahead of Breeze, and I would put him definitely ahead of Brett Favre. I definitely would put him above those quarterbacks because what he has done is mostly sensational. I think he right now he's probably a top three athlete in all of sports. Patrick Mahomes is right now. I think Brady's one of the greatest athletes ever, but but as far as right now goes, Mahomes is one of the greatest right now. So in my opinion, I, I would say that if he were to win another Super Bowl, he'd be a top four quarterback, I would say. He win that and then retire the next day. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer in two seconds. I really do believe that. So in all honesty, yes, I, I do think that a win would definitely help his case further on into the great in one into one of the one of the greatest ever uh debates um as far as tom brady goes i mean if he wins another super bowl i mean he would be known as it would be a first of all a huge indictment on the new england uh on the new england franchise because it was really the individual that made the corporation like relevant I mean, people thought it was Brady and Belichick. I think if he were to win this, I think everyone would jump on the wagon was it was all Brady. That's what I would think about it in that regard. Um, but look, I mean, it's hard not to – it's hard to discredit Belichick if Brady were to win another Super Bowl. But I think a lot of people would be leaning towards it was all Brady in that regard. Um, and if he were to win another Super Bowl – I th- it depends. Like I-, I think that he would. I think that maybe we can further the discussion as the as the greatest athlete in all of sports. But like I said earlier, basketball is more you play more minutes than you do in football. So uh, there are more possessions in your game than football. So and Brady dominates one side of the game. So as far as complete goes, I said that LeBron is the greatest because he's the best overall player. And this goes, in my opinion, if he were to win another Super Bowl, then I would say Tom Brady's probably the greatest maybe NFL player ever. I'd say he's the greatest NFL player ever. Um, people think it's Jerry Rice. People think it's uh, Lawrence Taylor. In my opinion... I think Tom Brady will be the greatest player ever if he were to win a su- another Super Bowl. If he were to win another Super Bowl, taking the suck at the the losing his franchise in all sports, and with under in his first year against against the best quarterback in the league, yeah, he he will be known as the greatest athlete in sports, in my opinion. So that's what my take on the Brady and Mahomes uh, debate is. Okay, that concludes another episode of the Off the Dome podcast. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day and go get them.